You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Welcome, everyone, to Live Deal Analysis, where we're going to look at two uh, deals that recently closed in the last month that will showcase uh, people still doing action right now in the Denver metro market. And with me today is my uh, fellow partner in crime, always solving <laughs> lending problems, uh, Troy Howell. How you doing? Good, Jeff. Thanks for having me. No problem. And my name is Jeff White. I'm here basically to uh, be your uh, own company's host today uh, to showcase uh, these deals themselves because I was involved directly as the, uh, the realtor on these transactions. So let's go into it. Yeah, and, and myself as the lender on it. So we yes, are right. truly yeah. intimately involved with both of these. Okay, first disclaimer, uh, Troy and I are definitely not uh, trying to provide any tax, legal, or financial advice. This is all for entertainment purposes. So it's more of like a, a learning lesson for all of us here. Uh, so we're just want to put this disclaimer out there. So please read this really quick and understand this is just for learning and not for us to give any financial legal type of advice. Okay. Uh, again, this is uh, Chris is not on this one, but Troy and I are here today and we are both involved in both these deals. Uh, Troy's lender, myself as a realtor. So we could definitely speak very highly of these types of deals. So let's dive in. Troy, do you want to talk a little bit about what Fannie Mae recently did to change the two to four unit owner-occupied financing down payment requirement? Yeah, it's it's been actually a, a really big deal. Uh, pretty surprising, but I think it's uh, very welcomed uh, that they've adjusted the down payment requirements uh, for multi-unit properties. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, in the past, if you did a single family, you could do 3% down if you're a first-time home buyer, 5% down uh, for a single family. And then you were putting 15% down on a duplex and then 25% down on a three to four unit. But they changed things um, to where you can do, as long as you're owner occupying, you can do 5% down on any of those properties. Uh, so a, a single family, duplex, three unit, four unit, as long as you're owner occupying it, which is what we're going to talk about here. Uh, on a fourplex, you can um, do 5% down and you get more favorable terms. The, the pricing, the interest rates, the cost for that interest rate are definitely sharper than doing it as an investment property, um, but just as good as a, a single family, uh, very close on the pricing. So it, it works out uh, very well and it'll be very helpful to a lot of investors. And we happen to have a, a great client that jumped in there and took advantage of it right out of the box. I think we we're one of the early ones, not the first one. Uh, at least within my company that I'm aware of, that, that did a 5% down owner-occupied fourplex. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, something so huge that it's a big takeaway from this call. If um, you guys remember nothing else, everyone listening, it's you could buy a duplex or a single family up to a four unit with only 5% down if you're willing to owner-occupy it for one year. Is that correct, Troy? 100%. Yep. Yeah. If you're assuming they qualify, of course, for... Um, yeah, fourplex. Yeah, but that's, uh, and that's kind of the beauty we'll talk about, and I'm sure you'll have this as we go through it. Is that those ad additional units help you qualify? There is 
some calculations used on the rental income from those other units that uh, help overall. So you can actually qualify for a little bit more price point with a duplex three unit or four unit than what you might be able to with a single family. Great. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely dive into that. So yeah, let's get into it. So this particular client came to me um, around quarter three of 2023 and they pretty much were setting their expectations. They were going to close uh, first quarter of 2024. They weren't even looking in 2023. And then when Troy told me about this 5% down conventional change order, changeover, uh, just changed the dynamic form completely. So they were just looking and said, oh yeah, well, well we want to save a little more. We want to buy like a house with like a walkout basement or like there's unofficial duplexes that are houses with mother-in-laws, houses with walkout basements, houses with ADUs. Uh, and then this new Fannie Mae rule change, Troy told me, and then I told all my clients. And then because of that change, they moved up their, their timeline um, from Q1 to 2024 to let's try to get something in Q4 of 2023. And basically we started the search on duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. And we found this great one right in Arvada close to Old Town, Arvada. And it was a standard of you know, box fourplex that was two bed, one bath, each unit. Um, and the client was basically saying, okay, well, we want to find uh, a fourplex, but we also want one that doesn't have these long-term leases. So this one was also nice because it was in the Denver metro area, close to things, and also had the majority, three out of the four leases were month to month. And we'll get into that why that's important later. Um, but basically, they want that flexibility so they can move in right away and also attract higher quality tenants at higher than market rates. So going to a little bit more about the property itself, it was, like I said, right now, Arvada, two bed, one bath, each unit. Each unit was exactly the same size, about 950 square feet. So pretty good size units for two bed, one bath. Um, and... This one, it was an investor selling four other fourplexes in the same like half mile radius. And he pretty much wanted that $800,000 price point and wasn't willing to come down. And in the market for Denver Metro, um, and Detroit, you can answer this too. How many fourplexes do you see priced, uh, you know, below, even like below a million? Usually? Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. it, they're kind of pretty rare. Pretty yeah. rare. That was yeah. a, a great find on your part. Yeah, so that one attracted my buyers, and basically because it was priced eight hundred k, it's like you're buying, you know, the way to, another way to associate is like you're buying a two bed, one bath townhome unit um, for two hundred k. And if that number makes sense, and you know you could attract higher rents than what the current market rents are, sometimes multifamily makes sense. And Troy, on this one, um, because the guy was stuck at eight hundred k my buyer was willing to go over asking because we knew it was worth more than what the uh, price was. So we did $810,000 over asking price with a 10K seller credit. And Troy, right. what does that 10K mean if it appraises at 810,000? Yeah, that what that meant, especially in this situation, is that it took care of all the closing costs, um, a little bit of a buy down on the interest rate, um, and so it made it more just, hey, all you have to come up with is a 5% down payment. So it, it's skinning things up and it made it more efficient for the borrower uh, to get into the property. 
Yeah, and Troy, with those month-to-month leases, since majority of the place is month-to-month, low market rents, how did your underwriter count those those rents? Or did you just trust the appraiser like market rents from that? Like how does how does a lender look at it from that point of view? Yep, great question. Uh, typically they're gonna look at what the appraiser shows market rents. It so happened that the appraiser came up with pretty much what the current month-to-month rents were in the property, which are I think are low, and you'll talk to that a little bit more later. Um, so fortunately we had great borrowers, good strength on their part uh, on their part and of course the the price point wasn't super duper heavy so um those don't uh, they helped uh a bit but they didn't help as much as they could have potentially uh because the what the appraiser is going to do is go to the market whether they what's the market bear for something like that um and then we're going to discount it from an underwriting perspective conservatively by 25 percent. so if you got a you know a thousand dollar lease just for simple numbers sake they're going to give you 750 dollars credit uh for that lease uh, to count for vacancy factor, cost, all that kind of jazz. Um, but 750 is better than nothing and it, it does help boost you for what you can qualify for. Definitely, and that's the true power of multifamily as well yep. because you're, you're only living in a single family house, you have to qualify by yourself and your income. Multifamily, the lender gives yep. you credit for, you know, three of the, if you're buying a fourplex, they give you credit for three. If you buy a duplex, the other side, and then a triplex, right. two of the units. So that's the true power. But of course, the lenders can go off the conservative appraiser approach, which makes sense. So is it true that uh, uh, the appraiser just usually, um, they'll just be more conservative in nature and they won't necessarily even look at the leases that are there exist right now? Yeah, they they're going to, they're supposed to kind of look at what the market rents are, are bearing out there and get some of that data to put in yeah. there for us. Um, but again, you know, it, it can vary a little bit from a, appraiser to appraiser. So nothing to count on hundred percent, but it is helpful. And, and uh, um, as long as we calculate it upfront correctly and conservatively, it's, it's going to work just fine. So somebody's at their absolute qualifying limit and that becomes a component that gets them over the top. Uh, we want to make sure that it's realistic and that the appraiser doesn't screw things up later on when they yeah. do their appraisal and then we have to look at it for underwriting purposes. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Hey, real then, quick, Jeff, before yeah. you move on, I wanted to point out something that uh, you did that I thought was awesome on this uh, with your search for the properties for the fourplexes. If this complex was represented, these units were represented by a commercial real estate agent. So you jumped in there and, and, did a great job because the city of Arvada was looking at buying these up and getting it negotiated and worked in there, I thought was awesome. Uh, so it helped with the price point, but your expertise and willingness to uh, negotiate it out really made a difference for the, the borrowers on this, the buyers of this as well. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it, Troy. Thanks for the shout out. Yeah, it's definitely commercial brokers are different than residential ones. And that's, that's yeah, one they, these guys were good, but they, they're not your typical residential real estate no. agent. Absolutely. <laughs> and then to go dive a little deeper. So this one, because all the all the leases except the one the the, the lease that the rent the unit they're moving into was vacant. So they were lucky that they could just move in right away. Uh, but all the other leases were uh, twelve hundred bucks a month. So this is kind of basically a game plan where they're going to have to stabilize it. And while living there renting out the other units at 1200 bucks a month, they're going to be negatively cash flowing 2400 bucks per month uh, as they turn over units. 
So this one's a good example of like, okay, how much would you pay for a two bedroom, one bath in the Denver Metro market? I would argue probably like two grand at least, depending on what spot of town you're in. Um, so it's kind of like they would pay two grand a month anyways to live in a two bedroom. But now they own the whole building instead of just paying two grand to um, a landlord or property manager. So what's great about this one, it will illustrate in a sec how when you turn them over, the numbers get better. That's the power of house hack. So as they turn over two of the units and the strategy they want to use is section eight, the reason why they want to do section eight is the market rent was according to their appraiser and uh, the current rents on were about 1200, but market really is closer to 1500 based on what I've seen over there. Section eight pays above market. They're paying 2201 for two bedroom units. So that's the big appeal about this one. It was had the month to month, uh, three of the four units were month to month. So it's already flexible tenants that weren't locked in at 1200. So it's just a matter of turning people over. And in this second slide here, as they turn over two of those tenants, um, they will only be negatively cash flowing 600 bucks a month, basically. And they still have their own unit and they still have one more tenant at the below market rents. So that's a true powerful indicator of like, hey, they bought this thing at 5% down and they're now they're gonna get basically um, almost live for free as they keep turning over each unit. And as they get that last one turned over, they'll actually be um, cash flow pretty much break even, call it like net break even, um, as a 5% down conventional. What was the rate they locked in at, Troy? Uh, 6.99, so just wow. under seven. So basically it locked in at 6.99 and you know, gonna get a uh, awesome break, like live for free at 6.99 in a four unit at 800K. Right. Um, amazing, amazing at 5% down. And that's only by turning over units to section eight. Um, and then this is my favorite slide is when they move out a year from now and they turn over all four units, including the unit they're living in, they'll be cash flowing, cash flowing 2,200 bucks a month. And Troy, how many deals do you see cash flowing this much uh, for 5% down? Yeah. Um, not a lot. And so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 6.99. Yeah, but even with, I mean, back a few years ago, I mean, it was like you could uh, pretty much buy anything in a cash flow, right? Yeah. Uh, because the rates were so low. But uh, with this current rate environment that we're in, just having something work out this nicely is is uh, is awesome. You know, it really is. It's doable, and you just got to find the right pri property and the right strategy, like like we're talking about here. Definitely. Um. Yeah, the, the true takeaway of this deal is they had a saw undervalued property where it had below market rents at the 1200 bucks a month per unit. They're willing to live in one of the units for a year um, and use this 5% down owner-occupied conventional loan product and basically turn over each of those month-to-month -month tenants and one long-term tenant to Section 8. And by doing so, one year from now, it will be an amazing cash flowing property and they'll be ready for house hack number two and you know maybe even do another multifamily over there. That's the uh, the true power of house hacking is reducing and eliminating your living costs and then cash flowing after moving out. So it's always important to look at while you're living there and after moving out. You don't want to just assume you're cash flowing day one while living there. That'd be great. 
But in the higher interest rate environment, if you can reduce your living cost, that is amazing. It's more to look at it, cash flow after moving out. That's a different sneaker. Yeah. Yeah. Deal number two. So this one, we, Troy and I have talked about a lot already. So right. you've, uh, we already have a webinar on it that was posted on the channel already. Um, and we've talked about it um, at the meetup. So this one we're very familiar with. It was a client that was looking for going from house hack one to house hack two. And he just started a family, just had a new baby. And basically he was willing to do rent by room strategy to maximize his cash flow. Uh, as long as he had the whole upstairs himself and his family, he's willing to rent out the whole basement because there's a separate entrance to the basement. And this particular one, um, he liked the Westminster area and wanted to stay around that area. Um, and there's a lot of great single families that have a lot of value add um, for bedrooms and bathrooms over there. And that's exactly what we've found over there, straight from the MLS again, very straightforward. And the big one on this story was, it was just a basic five bed, two bath house. Anyone could have seen this. It was a straight MLS deal on the market for 20 plus days. But the difference was uh, my client had the eyes to see the value of like, okay, how can I add bedrooms and bathrooms? Basically, um, it was a great setup house. He converted the garage and added um, two rooms in the basement to make it four bed, two bath upstairs, four bed, one bath downstairs with a separate entrance. It's absolutely massive. <laughs> and right. he wanted the upstairs for himself and then it will rent out the basement to the family. So the numbers on this was the price was 520 praise amazingly well at 532 and troy um you talk about the uh, loan products i know that the loan was very interesting yeah it's a i think people in the real estate community may be familiar with it um but uh, not everybody deals with this stuff every day like you and i do uh but it's a down payment assistance program that we kicked in for this buyer it, it worked out great it comes in with uh, a piggyback second. There's some programs that are grants and we try to take advantage of those when we can. Uh, this particular situation uh, necessitated us using this particular one, but it still works out very well. When you think of a chunk of money that is quote unquote borrowed, but you're not paying an interest, any interest on the outstanding balance. You don't have a payment on the outstanding balance. And so ultimately it just sits there like a lump on a log, right? Uh, a deed of trust is recorded against the property. So if you go to refinance or you go to sell the property, that that loan, that second loan, essentially has to be paid off. So um, you got to keep that in mind. But when you think, you know, how many how many places can you run and get free borrowed money? You know, no payment, no interest, just pay me off whenever uh, you go to refinance or sell the property. So that coupled with the first mortgage. Um, it gets you into the property super efficient. And then Jeff, you, you blew it out of the water with your negotiation uh, prowess and yep. uh, came in and, and negotiated a nice uh, credit uh, to the borrower on the contract initially. And then that got boosted up a little bit through the inspection process. Uh, so an additional three grand um, was put in there. I don't know if you're going to talk about it a little bit later, so I don't want to steal your thunder, but um, we had, a huge amount of money to work with towards closing costs and everything and and, and really more than what we needed uh, in this particular situation or more than what we could use 
And so we we developed a strategy to help get some of this work done to the property, uh, utilizing some of those funds. So the borrower went into it very economically with uh, funds uh, needed from him, but essentially came out a bit ahead once you take into account the improvements that were done to the property. As yeah, that's out, true. Like, Power was the house was moving ready already, and we did a creative thing where we exceeded Troy's allowed uh, sell credits. Um, and all you have to remember there mm -hmm. is basically it's more of a discussion with someone like Troy, like a professional lender. They'll explain to you what you're capped out with seller credits depending on your down payment. This person, because they were using down payment assistance, they right. um, didn't have the same amount of availability as a normal conventional loan. So we exceeded it and we had all those extra seller credits, but my buyer didn't want a price reduction because that's, you know, yeah, like, well, that'd be Troy, like 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month if the price is reduced. Yeah, really. Uh, it benefits the payment slightly. Yeah. Uh, but you don't get all that stuff done. You're still coming out of pocket. So, yeah, yep. this works out great. And then, so we use that excess to pretty much fund uh, improvements. So he is able to have the seller pay for adding bedrooms in a bathroom, all from the seller's pocket with uh, checks at closing and that. Um, a lender like Troy is a huge difference maker for him is what separates him is he's able to understand that a lot of lenders will say no to that or they just won't understand it and just force you to do a price reduction. So thank you, Troy, for helping there. And this is where another thing is we go back to the analysis like, OK, look at it while living there and then while moving out. So this particular client, he wanted just to rent out the whole basement, all four separate rooms, rent by room strategy. Um, about 750 per room is what this uh, this total rents are about. So 750 times four is 3,000 bucks a month. And he had the whole upstairs for just his family. And by doing so, he's only you know negative 1,500 bucks a month. But obviously for the whole upstairs to himself, uh, absolutely amazing. And that's what was the rate on this one, Troy? Uh, that one's my, more of a mid seven because of the down payment assistance right. program. Yep, it tends to be a little more expensive, but. Um, it's still got the job done. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of this one too. So he uh, moved out of his current place where he was living up the whole upstairs, going to rent out all those rooms, moving into this place. So would you agree that this Troy is net net for moving out of his current residence into this new primary? He'll probably be still living, you know, like cash break even, you know, yeah. cash flow neutral um, just by willing to move from one property to the other. Yeah, he's... He's really good at doing that and understanding that. And, you know, as that other podcast, we went into more details and that can always be uh, watched to get into to more. And we actually interviewed him in yeah. that, uh, which was great to, to go through. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's probably it's probably the most aggressive, wouldn't you say, Jeff, as far as yeah. the house hack is to do the rent by room? Yeah, uh, if you're willing, if you're willing to do it, it's, you know, like, it's obviously while living there, if you're wanting to live with roommates, you could definitely um, yep. maximize your rental income because, you know, a lot of these houses, uh, the value truly is in the rooms, right? Not just the, uh, the right. rented out of basement uh, or like an addition. Um, but yeah, if you're willing to be flexible, any of those listeners out there, if you're willing to be flexible, live with roommates, um, you could definitely achieve um, numbers like this or even better just yeah. by um, willing to have a few roommates. In this yeah, market list today, owning two properties, pretty much cash flow neutral, with minimal cash into them, is is just stellar. Absolutely. 
And then this is look at look at these numbers. This is where it gets really uh, crazy. Is he moves out after a year, rents it out all eight bedrooms, and look at that look at that rent number, Troy, uh, sixty four hundred <laughs> for eight right? rooms. Uh, oh. And it'll be cash line, you know, sixteen hundred bucks a month at a seven, you know, a mid seven percent interest rate. And what was his total out of pocket, Troy, to buy this place? With the down oh, gosh. I mean, if if you don't take into account the um, the improvement numbers, yeah. maybe you're talking three grand. Wow. Yeah. So two, yeah, a couple grand. And basically, you can see the sixteen hundred bucks a month. He'll be able to like equal his whole, whole all, all in cost. Um, and mind you, you had the seller pay for all improvements, so his only cost right. to buy this place was just his basically the small down payment he had to show for Chaffalum. And he'll be able to basically get a cash flowing property with basically nothing into it and be ready for house act number three in a year because of these amazing numbers by willing to live with roommates and rent out rooms and move out of his current place. Um, and Troy, yeah. would you say she'll, based on what you see here, do you think he'll be ready for number three a year from now if he implements this strategy? Well, yeah. Yeah. If he keeps his, uh, uh, keeps the trend going. Uh, he's got his W-2 job, of course, uh, because we're not qualifying solely off these rental properties. And um, he'll be in great shape because he'll have all the documentation and information. We'll have the 2023 tax return to work for, with in 2024, of course, yep. uh, and the new rental agreements. And then he may get a rental agreement for the departure rooms, right? He'll have three rooms yep. to rent out when he leaves. So we'll get those in place and he'll be ready to rock and roll on the next property. And with a little bit better interest rates, he'll probably qualify for even a little bit more. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, basically that was just a, you know, going through all the diff uh, two different deals. And, you know, if you really want to go into your own analysis or understand your own deals or stuff you're looking at, feel free to, check out this QR code and schedule a consultation today um, with one of the advisors over here in Vision, and we'd be happy to help analyze any potential deals or deals you're curious about for your situation right now. And also, if you're uh, starting the process, it's always smart to start with a great lender like Troy Howell with Nova Home Loans, and same thing. Uh, the pre-approval is the most important part. You need that to get started, so definitely reach out to Troy. This is also another QR code to contact him directly um, and schedule a call with him. Yeah, appreciate that. It's it's really important, I think. Um, it serves so many purposes. You know, to your point, Jeff, and what we've preached and talked about is just knowing where your limits are and being able to uh, maximize your qualifying ability going in. And, and it helps a lot with the negotiation. So it helps me get you the information you need so when you're submitting an offer, we know what strategy we're going to deploy and to best optimize it for the borrower, uh, the buyer of the property. So, you know, having some of this help come in with, you know, seller credits and things like that can make a huge difference on, on your uh, cash needed, obviously, the bottom line, but also that payment and then making the numbers work for the property while you're living there and when you go to move out. Absolutely. And then here's our emails too, if you want to reach out to us directly. Um, it's my email and then Troy is right below mine. Yeah, you bet. Happy to help, happy to answer any questions, thoughts, and ideas. You gotta start somewhere. Yep. <laughs>
And that's pretty much uh, end of this presentation. Do we have? Uh, I'll stop sharing here. We've got a few questions coming in. Awesome. Let me stop sharing. Okay, I go back here. Okay, here we go. All right. Yep. Thanks for the shout out, Amit. Appreciate that. Thank you, Amit. All right. Static yeah. said. With 5% down conventional loans, is there no more self-sufficient requirements for three plexes and four uh, Excellent question. That applies with our friends over with FHA. So FHA has their own little methodology that they use for underwriting multi-unit loans uh, that actually is a little more restrictive than Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, believe it or not. So they're they're going to use it uh, a little more generously when you're when you're dealing with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So no self uh, sufficiency requirement with and Chuck, you give an example of that just like a highlight like uh if i bought a fourplex that was a thousand bucks per each unit and with fha and it, let's say it was um you know a million dollar purchase price yeah. uh yeah. like high level like how how you count how self-sufficiency works so people understand what why fha yeah. is basically a, a a super condensed way to look at it is they want to make sure as as the term kind of states that the borrower is capable of supporting it without some of that rental income. So they really tighten up how they look at those additional units, the rental income off those additional units. Duplex, not so much, but the three and four units they do. Um, where conventional financing is more straight up, hey, we'll discount the, the rental, projected rental income for the market by 25% and then give you credit for that. Whereas FHA is a little harsher for you. So. Uh, again, that pre-approval process can really help if we're gravitating towards using an FHA product to buy a multi-unit that we kind of have our ducks in a row and understood what the capabilities are based on that underwriting restriction. And then Norman asked, does the investor with the multifamilies in Nevada have any more left? Uh, the answer is yes, Norman. Uh, reach out to me and I'd be happy to uh, give you more information on it, but there are the, there are other ones still available at that 800 price point, 800K price point. Any other questions? And thank you, Jules, for posting that link to the podcast for the uh, deal number two. We go really deep dive into that for all the uh, nuts and bolts of it. Um, yeah, with, with yeah. the borrower on that, that one was great. Good, anything else you can think of? Oh, we got another one. Sassic said, thanks for the clarification for deal number one. Why were the rents below market value? Was there a lot of work necessarily to turn around the units? Um, rents were below market because the investor bought the fourplex or multiple fourplexes like 10, 15 years ago. And back then they were probably at market. And then sometimes investors just, you know, they bought it for nothing, right? So why raise the rents if it's this easy property and don't fix anything? So they just left it at the 1200 for the last, I would say probably 10 years at least for some of these uh, uh, tenants. And the reason uh, the below market is there, there's some deferred maintenance, like any any property that's from you know 40 plus years old, that's especially a multifamily, you're gonna see a little more dated type of property, but most of them are just average, I'd say average rental grade quality. Like there's a few updates, like some new cabinets, some flooring mm -hmm. that's more updated, but overall um, more cosmetic stuff than the actual building itself. Like, uh, that's the difference on that one. And also because of section eight, they just pay by bedroom count. They don't care about cosmetic finishes. So you could just have a basic rental grade quality unit with Formica countertops, you know, old cabinets, old appliance, white appliances, 
and you'll get the same rent versus if you have stainless. So there's no point of, you know, over updating a place. Over updating. Yeah. And I think our farmer was planning on doing some freshening up with some paint and carpet. Gene asks, how did you find the property listed by the commercial broker? So he listed, I was on those. So it was on the MLS. There was one property listed on the MLS, but actually it was part of a whole portfolio, but they only listed one. So when I talked to them, I found out there was these other units in that same area. And my buyer just wanted the one that had the most flexibility with the month-to-month leases. Because sometimes you see this with a lot of uh, older landlords as they renew all the leases right before they sell it. And then you're stuck as a new buyer um, with these leases until they expire. So that's they want, my buyer wanted the most flexibility. And that's why they picked this building itself. Yeah. Another little note on that, Jeff, too, that can pose a bit of a problem with occupancy because when you're buying as a primary owner occupied, you need to take occupancy within 60 days. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if all the leases are term leases, they all in like six months, a year from now, then the you can't get in. lender wouldn't be able to approve it. Right. Because unless yeah. you negotiate some type of buyout for one of the tenants. Um, yes. But, um, yeah. No, that's a good point. Great so, point on your part too. Yeah. yeah. There is a way to work through it. You can buy them out get them out of there but yeah you gotta you gotta occupy the property within 60 days so that's important yep. to keep in mind great questions yeah just a little detective work on your part with the the commercial broker and you yeah <laughs> yeah a whole, whole little plethora of properties over there yeah the, the issue with commercial brokerage is it's more like uh broey so they kind of uh it's like a I think it's like right. a frat, frat house so that's what you, like, that's what we talked about when, you're in the frat, the you know, you're, yeah, you're in the club, contract. but if you're like a little residential broker like me versus commercial, uh, they, they sometimes treat you differently. So you kind of have to get over that, overcome that barrier yep. uh, to get in the frat. So you bet you're, you're part of the frat now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, well, it seems like the majority of the questions. I think we're good. Great. Yeah, I'd say Thank if you, anyone has any more questions, just reach out to uh, Jeff or Troy. And um, please do definitely check out that podcast. That's so uh, in depth details on uh, that second deal. Great cool. job, guys. Thanks, Jules. Thank you, Stasic. We had a great time presenting this. Yeah. It's uh, we enjoy talking about deals, especially in the market like today. Um, I think the big takeaway for everyone listening to final takeaway is. Uh, deals are still happening. Um, this time of year is the best time to buy. Uh, yes. Even in a higher interest rate environment, you almost have to create the deal. So just think about, okay, what? how can I make a deal work? It's not always obvious like, oh, I have to go off market or I have to get a 100K price reduction. Can you use a creative strategy such as Section 8, uh, Airbnb, rent by room? Can you make your own deal? And that's what separates the, uh, you know, the novice investor to the advanced level. And if you can make it work in this market, um, when rates do go down, um, and Troy has his crystal ball, uh, I'll tell you exactly when they're going to go down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I did, I, I probably wouldn't be talking to you guys. I'd be uh, like consulting, sitting on a beach somewhere. <laughs> right. They're right. getting better, though. That's, that's the good news is that the market, the trend in the market is improving. Uh, with the interest rates. And so that's welcomed, but that's also going to stimulate some people to come off the sidelines and we still have an inventory issue. So um, better sooner than later. I, I don't think waiting is a good strategy. You know, if the numbers work and you find the right property, I think you go for it. Yeah. And it's a long game too. Real estate, I would say the big take, another takeaway too is 
the market like today, best time to buy November, December, winter months for Colorado, especially if, it's, if you're in the state right. of Colorado. Yes. Um, but if you think about it, like long real estate's a long-term play. It's not, if you want to get rich quick, real estate's not that for you. But if you know you're going to buy and hold for many years, rates will come down, rates will compress, and then you'll be able to refi a lot of these um, higher interest rates. And then your what happens, your cash flow goes from this to like that. And then that's where you truly build a great uh, capital portfolio. doesn't happen overnight, happens over years, many years. But if you just look at it the long term, like five to 10 year period, instead of a one to two year period, it'll make all the difference. Right, right. And like you've done too with your own portfolio, Jeff, as you've gone through and analyzed it, optimized it, and found some more efficiencies within it. Yep. Um, with your experience and what you need to do with management, with insurance, and uh, just uh, to make it the best it can be. Yeah, it's uh, something you, uh, all of us investors have to look at. Uh, you can't just sit back. Like this this particular fourplex is a great example of one that didn't raise the rents ever, basically, price right. since they owned it. And they just, it was easy, right? Like, why would those people move if they're paying below market rents for right. 10 years? So yeah. if you want to be the best investor, you have to kind of, optimize your portfolio and look for ways to do it all the time. Yeah. And you have, uh, you have some great strategies with that for sure. Thank you. Yeah. And the, both these uh, clients too, they both were willing to do it and I'm excited to see what they, uh, what they do in the next year. Yeah. And well, we're always going to be there to help and support them along the way. So even after we've closed these, we're still talking to them and working with them. And um, I think it's going to be awesome as they, and this, and they're not stopping here. They're not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a long term, like going back long term play. They want to get multiple properties and also Troy, it's like, what's the requirement? One year requirement to live in this place. And then they could rinse and repeat one, one year later. They don't have to stay in the property yep. more than that. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us on this uh, beautiful Thanks, Wednesday. Mm -hmm.